worshiping together today, receive these words from the book of Acts, the ninth chapter, beginning with the first verse. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he's praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Loving God, for the blessing and the honor and the privilege and the gift of being community in your spirit and in the name of Jesus, we give you thanks. Help us continue to do all that we can to create community that honors you fully by honoring all of your people fully. And now, O oh God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts might be acceptable to you, for you and you alone, O oh God, are our strength, our hope, and our redeem redeemer. Amen. I'm hoping I will keep my breath. I'm feeling a little wobbly. Say a prayer for your preacher. It is fun.
fun to discover unlikely Easter songs. Occasionally, I reveal these discoveries on Easter Sunday. A few Sundays ago, or a few years ago, you might remember one in which I started singing, I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. <laughs> uh, it's always great. This year, the one that really connected with me was after the fact and really came to mind in the midst of preparation for this sermon in this Easter season. And it's none other than the British band Chumbawamba, their 1997 earworm, you're welcome, um, with the recurring refrain. Does anybody know what this one is? Tub Thumper. Do you know a Tub Thumper? Yes, thank you, Dan. <laughs> and I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. You know that one, and it just goes on and on ad nauseum. It's really quite a great song. I looked it up. Um, it's a, that's an Easter song. That is a resurrection song. It's a re resurrection resilience song. I looked it up online, and a member of the band said that, in fact, the song was written, and I quote, about the resilience of ordinary people. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Lord knows it doesn't take long in life to get knocked down in any of the many ways that we might interpret that phrase. To get knocked down can be to be bullied, to lose something or someone that we care about. To get knocked down might be to fail at something that we tried really hard to accomplish. To keep hitting obstacles and walls as we try to make progress toward an important goal. Or to be humbled by a difficult task. Or to be taken down a notch, or many, by someone who names a way that we have hurt them or have done harm to others. Lord knows it doesn't take long to get knocked down. It was that last one, that last way that knocked Saul of Tarsus down. Saul, who most of us know, by the way, as the Apostle Paul, began as one who was virulently opposed to Jesus and the disciples of Jesus' way. Saul was born to Jewish parents who possessed Roman citizenship, a privilege passed to their children. He was highly educated in Jerusalem, likely under the tutelage of the famous rabbi Gamaliel. And he brought his considerable skill privilege, and passion to the work of persecution. Saul was present, you will find in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, was present and was the one who officially approved the stoning of Christianity's first martyr, Stephen, at first recorded one, and was clear in his mission to hunt down Jesus' disciples with violent intentions. With this clear itinerary, Saul sets out for Damascus and on the way, according to almost 
Every artist who's ever imaged this story, Saul is knocked off his horse on the road by otherworldly light, a common symbol throughout scripture, along with fire and cloud, for the presence and power of God. Saul and those traveling with him are aware of a voice who turns out to be none other than the risen Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? Just as Saul had never been able to perceive who Jesus was or welcome what Jesus revealed and offered, in this moment, Saul doesn't physically see Jesus, but only receives the message. The encounter leaves Saul not only unable to see Jesus, but unable to see anything. And whether this detail in the story means to signal metaphorically Saul's moral incapacity to perceive the error of his ways was perhaps simply a result of encountering God's presence and power. Literally, it might have been that this was that Saul was blinded by God's glory or Shekinah. Or perhaps it was understood by the author as punishment. It's unclear. Regardless, Saul's perception is completely messed up, so much so that he goes with assistance into Damascus and fasts and prays for three days. Now, while Ananias doesn't get knocked off a horse like Saul, he also gets knocked down. He received a dangerous call from God. Saul's reputation preceded him, and Ananias, a disciple of Jesus, knows he is a clear target. But Ananias is called by God to seek out Saul and to lay hands on him, which in scripture is a ritual act often that signals healing, blessing, call, and affirmation of gifts through the power of Holy Spirit. And I want us for just a moment to see if we can imagine what it would be like to be Ananias in this story. This is what the Jesuits do in the Ignatian exercises. They say, put yourself in the story. Put yourself in the story. Imagine for just a minute, if you will, that you are Ananias. And if it helps, you might imagine not Saul, but maybe a present-day murderous despot in this scenario. So imagine you are a disciple of Jesus who's trying to faithfully follow the way. Even in the midst of violent persecution that you know could hit you and your family. You know that this guy wants to kill you. You know what he's done to others. You learn that this murderer is the one God is choosing to do an important work in the kingdom. And you are asked to help make that happen. This is the part where I would be crazily writing in my journal all sorts of big feelings, 
while on my annual retreat with the Jesuits. <laughs> what would that feel like? If I were Ananias, I would be having some big feelings. But Ananias, the one who began his response to God saying, here I am, Lord, does what is asked. He goes to Saul. He greets him. And did you notice he greets him as a member of the family? Brother Saul, says the text. And he blesses him. What happens next is given little texture in the story, but I can only imagine what it must have been like to witness such a conversion. We don't know what it was that turned Saul's heart, that opened Saul's being. Was it the faith and courage and open arms of Ananias who was willing to step into that place of danger to bring blessing? Was it some spirit-fueled epiphany that Ananias and the other disciples were not, after all, soulless enemies, but perhaps fellow children of God? Was it the experience of being shown mercy by Jesus? Whatever it was, Saul was baptized into a new life, and Ananias witnessed the power of God working through him, and then the power of God's mercy and love in the life of even one such as Saul. There's much that could be said about this story. Today, I'm going to simply ask a question. What can we learn from Saul and from Ananias about resurrection resilience for the times when we get knocked down. First notice that Saul spends three days in prayer and in fasting, and Ananias engages in conversation, I'll use the word conversation, with God, naming his concerns, his fears, and then receiving guidance for his discernment. It sounds so very basic, but it can never be left unsaid. When you feel most alone, when you feel most ashamed, when you feel most confused or afraid, when you have been knocked down, God is with you, loving you, ready to spend some time with you and to help you. When you get knocked down, turn to God. Bring yourself into God's presence. Ask your questions. Throw your tantrums. Make your bargains. Cry your eyes out. Or just rest in the strength of Mother, Father, God holding you. And listen. Pay attention to the message or the discernment that you receive in prayer. In the story for today, clarity about how to go forward comes quickly. That is not often the case in our lives. But it does come when we remain aware and attentive that God is up to something in and through us and that God wants to help us. In my experience, proverbially 
getting up after being knocked down can sometimes be a very slow process. It's difficult, holy work to heal from grief or trauma, to truly receive God's grace and God's release from guilt and shame. It takes time and is holy work to allow God's grace to work in new ways in us that set us on a new course. Healing and change take time and intention. Turning to God provides the grace that we need for resilience when we've been knocked down. And that prayerful encounter with God makes possible some things. It makes possible God's help for us to be honest with ourselves about what has actually happened. Have you ever noticed in really difficult times, sometimes we can uh, lose perspective. We can rationalize things. We can fall into old patterns of self-blame. What did I do? What did I do to deserve this? Why, what could I have done differently? What could I have done to make this better? How could I have kept this from happening? Does this resonate with anyone? When things are difficult, we can take too much or too little responsibility. But the thing is, is in the presence of God, there's nothing that we can hide. So if we allow ourselves to fully be present to what God has for us, God will reveal the truth. And that truth will be bathed in God's love, compassion, and mercy. Then emerging from that, God will help you learn what you need to learn from this thing that may have happened or that is happening. We'll help you when you can, whatever it means in your life, to get up and keep going. And part of this, I'm gonna suggest, is recognizing and God helping you recognize your need to seek out and connect with other people and other resources that will give you strength to rise and keep going. One prime example, you can love and rely on both Jesus and your therapist. Can I get a thumbs up? All right, just wanting to make it clear. Thanks be to God, thanks be to Jesus for therapy. Um, and finally, coming through these things, God will help you move forward when it's time and in the right way to move forward and engage differently in the world. At the very least, perhaps you will be and become more aware of how awful it is to be knocked down the way that you've been knocked down. And then perhaps you'll be more perceptive to, perceptive to others having that experience, and perhaps you might even focus more on offering others a hand to get back up instead of any temptation to pile on with disdain or judgment or indifference. And if there are things that you need to change in your behavior or perspective so that you will stop doing harm to yourself or to others, 
God's grace will help you do that too. So we can turn to God when we've been knocked down. But let's be honest, there are those in the church who persist, both in the pews and in the pulpit, to use their power and privilege to persecute others and to do harm, to use their powers for harm. Photos of Vladimir Putin lighting his Easter candle as the Russian Orthodox patriarch presided in a pristine, ornate sanctuary won't let us forget that. Saul's persecutions were religiously driven or at least religiously rationalized. But today we're reminded that even for Saul, by the power of God's love, new life, and the opportunity for Saul to use his powers for good and not for harm became possible. And if it can happen for Saul, it can happen for anyone. In the same Washington Post article that included the photo I just mentioned, there are also powerful images of Christians in Ukraine celebrating last weekend's Orthodox Easter. Perhaps you saw them. An image of a family with young children walking alongside barricades on their way to a service. People of all ages lined up in front of a bunker in a bombed-out city with their traditional food baskets to be blessed. An Orthodox priest in full regalia standing in the middle of a warehouse blessing Easter cakes, humanitarian aid facility offering. These images of Christian hope in a time of war are for me powerful reminders that turning to God, relying on the love and grace and community of God and God's people can help us keep going even in the most difficult, painful moments of life. We all get knocked down in life sometimes in unimaginably painful ways. But with God, you'll always be given grace and companions on the journey to help you get up again. There's nothing going to keep you down. That's the Easter promise. That's the resurrection promise. Thanks be to God. God.